Okay. Okay, sorry, missed uh, last week. Um, so I wanted to talk this week about um, the mitzvahs of Machalis Asuris, right? So, uh, right, this week's parsha is a repetition uh, in, from Parsha Shmini, where the Torah discusses which foods a person could eat, which ones he can't eat. Now, this is obviously a, a sugi arucha, right, with the idea of kosher food, which is so central to, to Yiddishkeit. Um, Right, we're going on. Uh, you know, we're going away for the summer. Right? We're going to get kosher food. Is obviously the you know always the biggest challenge. So, the uh, right. First of all, just as a side point, right, the idea of kosher, right, is is kind of a misnomer, right? Kosher is not is not the word for it. Kosher means if something is kosher or not. A sukkah could be kosher or puzzle, but when it comes to food, it's not kosher or puzzle, right? We say the word treif. Something is treif. Well, treif is also. Treif is one very specific kind of non-kosher food, right? Basar basar the treifa, but there are multiple types, right? The word that the Torah uses most often is really tamay and tahar. We have a behemah tameya and a behemah tahira, right? in nayach. Right, tamei tahar, where the pasuk says va'anshei kaidesh tiunli basavasal the trefal oisechelu. Animals that are not kosher are called shakes to shaktsenu, a shekets, a toyeva. From all of this, it's very clear, says of Hirsch, that the idea of machalis asurais about kosher and non-kosher food. Again, we'll use kosher because that's just the way people use it. Has to do with the moral realm. Has to do with the ideas of right and wrong. Tuma and Tyra. Tuma and Tyra is not some supernatural, magical spirit that rests on a person. It's things which bring a person down. Tuma is something which which takes a person away from his ability to serve the Rabbi Nishlelem. We thought we spoke. I think we speak about in Chukas idea of Misa of death being something which is the antithesis of life of Tyra. Tyra is based on life, not death. And when a person becomes comes in contact with a dead body. That creates tumma. That creates this idea that somehow a person is, is a physical being, is a moral, is a mortal being, and therefore, what's the point? What's the point of life? What's the point of doing anything? But the idea of tumma and tyra pretends to the moral. The word I think the, the Ramam even writes right. The, the word Rishonim that explained the ideas of kosher food having to do with health. And I've heard says, look, if that even if that was the case, I mean, the idea that the tyra should be concerned with a person's physical health is, is fine, right? That's like uh, it's obvious. It's very important a person's physical life. A person has to protect himself, right? And that's uh, certainly a, uh, a mitzvah in the Torah, and it's, uh, and it's a very, very important thing. But clearly from all the psukim, right, the, the, the constant reference to Tumma, Tyra, we get a very different picture. We get the picture of, of, of foods being pertained to the moral life of, of, uh, of Klai Yisrael. So the idea there first says is that food, again, it's very mysterious, right? And we, we, don't, we don't know how this works, Right, the connection between the physical and the spiritual, the connection between the human body and how it affects a person's ability to serve their brother Shalom correctly is a mystery. Right, uh, put it put it into a, a, a telescope, put it under a microscope. It's hard to know. Can we do studies? Right nowadays, we're all about our scientific studies. Let's do a study. These things don't lend themselves to studies. We're dealing here with the brother Shalom. We're dealing here with the spiritual world. But the Torah tells us that if we absorb certain type, absorb certain types of foods. And food becomes energy. Our physical bodies, right? We, we survive based on energy, based on food. And it makes sense that absorbing certain energies into our bodies can have a negative impact on us and our, on our ability to serve the Rav So Rav Hirsch breaks it down like this. First of all, let's just break down the different categories of kosher and non-kosher. 
First of all, certain animals are kosher, certain animals are not. That's a basic category. So in the, when it comes to animals, we know, animal has to chew its cud, an animal has to have split hooves, that's what makes an animal tahar. Right? If it doesn't have, it only has one of the simanim, or none of the simanim for sure, that's a behemoth to make. Um, the second, when it comes to fish, so when it comes to a fish, we know fins and scales. If it has it, kosher. If it doesn't have it, non-kosher, tummy. When it comes to birds, so it's very interesting, the Torah here gives a list of 24 birds. These 24 birds are if tames. All the other birds are tahar. Now, obviously, this is very complicated, right? Because what, what, what are these 24 birds? If you knew, right, we're, we're dealing here with species as opposed to individual birds because it's, it's hard to imagine that it was 24 specific species, some species. This is a very, very complicated thing, yeah? Which is why, why we paskin, at least Ashkenazim paskin, that we don't eat birds unless we have a mesoyrus that is not one of the 24. This was the big Shiloh when it came to Turkey, right? Turkey is an American bird. How can we eat turkey? There was no Messiah on Turkey. It can't be because it's an American bird. We never saw Turkey before. Okay, this was the big, uh, the big Shiloh about Turkey. Chazal, however, and this is part of the big controversy, do give simanim for an oif tame and tahar, right? They do give us simanim. Still? Um, and, the, 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 and it's a big machlekes how to interpret this simanim, but the animals that are a race are for sure tame. A race. Big machlek is what a dairis is. A dairis is an animal that um, picks up the food, brings it to his mouth, and so, you know, claws it, kills it, holds down the food, and pecks down. Exactly, but a dairis is, is what we would call like a predator almost. The word dairis, right, is like trampling an animal. Exactly what makes a bird a dairis. So the Gemara gives three other simonim, which seem, again, machlek is if they're simonim in and of themselves, or they're subcategories of dairis. It has to be able to peel the, the, the crop and an extra stomach, zefek, korkabina. These are, these are different simonim of an iftahar. But that's the, when it comes to specific animals. So you have in, in big animals, Malagama versus parasa, in fish, Snapper versus Kesses, in birds, a doy race is no good, all the other birds are good. All right, that's when it comes to which animals. Now, what part of the animals? Okay, so we know, for example, and then, by the way, then there's an the entire category of forbidden animals, which is, you know, uh, creepy crawly things, right? Insects, bugs, these things are forbidden besides for grasshoppers. All right, grasshoppers are forbidden. Then the parts of animals, so blood is forbidden. Blood is usher to eat of an animal, right? Human blood is only ethimid rabbanon. Blood of an animal is what's usher midairaisa. When it comes to a chaya and an oif, not only is the blood usher, but there's a mitzvah called kisay hadam, that if you shecht it, you have to cover up the blood of the animal. That's dafka by a, uh, of a chaya of a oif. Right? So when people do kaparis and they shecht it on the spot, kisay hadam right there. Uh, shechting a cow, there's no kisay hadam. On the other hand, chelev, which is fats, is the chorus, forbidden fats, that's tafka by behemoth. The chelev of a chaya, the chelev of a, of a if they even have chelev, I don't know exactly how these things work, is not going to be asama atayra. Chelev, chelev is, there's two different types of fats we know throughout Shas, chelev and shuman. Shuman is permitted, chelev is asr. The basic distinction seems to be shuman is fat which is absorbed into the meat of the animal. Right? When you talk about prime rib, you see the marbleization. Right? Whereas chalev is like the reserves of the animal. It's a separate little, you know, the fats that are kind of not part, not absorbed into the muscle, into the meat, but are kind of a separate, uh, that's the chalev. Okay, now we have 
even if you have a kosher animal, what are the conditions under which the animal could be in? So, if you want to make the animal edible, you need to do shechita, it has to be done, you know, properly, shechita. If an animal did not have shechita, just died, we call that a nevela, that's aser. If an animal was clawed to death, or even if it's still alive, but has, a, has something mortally wounded, we call that a trefa, and that's also going to be aser, even if it ends up getting the proper shechita. Okay, Aver uh, menachai is going to be aser, right? If you take a little animal, didn't kill the animal, you just took an aver from the animal, that's also going to be aser. Then you have, um, obviously, basabachalav. That's something which is a mixture of milk and meat. Again, that's even if it's kosher, there's going to be isr basabachalav. Yeah. Okay, so Zagdav Hirsch, let's try to understand what's going on over here. Let's try to give a broad understanding of the mitzvahs. We're not going to get into too much detail. It's a very, very broad. It's very big. He writes it mostly in Chayrev, but even Chayrev, he doesn't get into as much detail as you would expect. Scattered little bits throughout the parashas, but Chayrev is really, really, I believe, breaks it down uh, the most and the best. He says like this. When a person eats food, right, he's building up his physical self. What's the idea of a physical self? A person is a nefesh, a person has a neshama. So what's this physical body all about? It's a physical body? What's physical? Right? What's, what, what is this? What is this body that we have? The body is, number one, the way that we can absorb things from the world. Right? We see things, we sense things through our physical bodies. Right? That's, and it's the way that we act onto the world. Right? We take from the world and we act on the world. The bodies are the messengers through which we carry out our duties. Right? It's the messengers through which we can see things in the world, we can understand things, and it's the message to which we, as, as Yidin, our mission to, uh, to, to keep the Torah and to serve the Rebbe Shalom is done through our physical bodies. If we didn't have physical bodies, that's it. We'd be dead. There'd be no way for us to act in our capacity as Yidin. Spiritual beings, are, see things, they don't see things the same way that physical beings do, and they can't act in the same way that physical beings do. Right? So the body is the message. It's the, it's the, it's the kind of the intermediary between, between uh, the Klai Yisrael, the Nefesh, and the Shama, of the Yid, and the world. Right? And it's a very, very, it's Ikush Kinebetach Taitim. This is what life's all about. It's all about this physical being. But the point here is, is that we need to make sure we need to make sure that this physical body is nourished by things that will further that mission. Further that mission. If we're going to be wild animals, if we're going to be beings which are wild animals, right, completely villed, there's no way we can fulfill a mission. We won't be able to take from the world, we won't be able to give it to the world. Right? Running around like a mishugana, being you know, pushed in every direction by all the physical luxuries of the world, by all the taivas of the world. That's no way for a yid, for Anshay Kaidish, to be able to, 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 to execute his duty as a yid. For certain people, you know, they're, they're born with a certain, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't know, nurture versus nature, but there's a certain, you know, certain people we call them like a baltaiva, right? We talk about them being just like a certain, it's, it's, a, it's, it's you know, everyone has Bechira and can overcome it. But when a person is, is so physical, that such a person can't execute his duty as a, as a yid in the, in, the, in the same way. And so when a person's absorbing food into himself, he has to make sure that he's absorbing foods which will be consistent with his role as a yid. A role as a yid, what is the yid's body? The yid's body is the messenger of the soul, right? It's not the other way around. And a person has to be super careful that his body is subservient to his neshama, to his mind, and not the other way around. And if his body is villed and hyper and physical, then he's not going to be able to execute. His body's going to take on a life of its own. What's the right? So a body has to be very passive. It has to be living and alive, right? That's that's the physical body. We have to be able to do things and act in this world. 
But if we're too veiled, then that's also no good. So if we can take the ideal materials which should be absorbed into our bodies, we would have to say that it's vegetation. Think about it, right? Vegetables are alive, but they're very passive. They don't run around. They're not busy killing other animals. I mean, unless it's like a Venus flytrap, I guess. Right? They're very, very passive. They're alive and living, but they're passive. The ideal energy for a human being, then, is vegetation. It's not too vild. You're not going to absorb into your body things which will give your body too much independence and too much freedom, and then they won't be subservient to the neshama. And so that's takawai. When it comes to plants, we have trumas and maestras, there's client issues, but in terms of the actual min and the ability, plants are mutter across the board. Every single plant is kosher, no shechita necessary, no nevelas. Again, you have technical issues, trumas and maestras, that's the separate manaskuna, that's a different everything completely. Client, okay, mixing two different types together, but in terms of the actual species and the types, and the, plants are what's completely mutter. Plants, and that's the ideal thing which should be absorbed. And that's very clear. Because again, you're absorbing it into something which is alive, but not too alive. It's not going to make you, because again, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. And if you eat something which is too vild, then that's what you're going to become. And so if we look at the animals, right, we have two categories of animals we mentioned quickly before, a behemoth and a chaya. A behemoth is an animal which tends to be subservient to human beings. And humans use them, they domesticate them and use them for their own you know, needs, for planting, for working, for farming. A chaya is more out in the fields, but even a chaya, look at, look at kosher, forget about the signs for a minute, look at kosher animals, and lions aren't kosher, right? Animals which are vild and wild and, and predatory animals, they're not the kosher animals. Animals are all herbivores, they're animals which eat plants, they tend to be more subservient to human beings, even if they run away, let's say like a deer runs away, but these are not the scary types of animals, right? These are animals which are passive, they're living, they're, they're the most plant-like. Think about the simanim, right? These are animals which are maligero, which means they're spending a lot of time, you know, um, um, uh, what? With the, With the plants. And they're also, they're spending a lot of time digesting their food. That's a very passive thing to do, right? They're sitting there and they chew it and it goes to one stomach, the next stomach, it regurgitates. Even look at their mafresas parsas. Split hooves are not ideal for killing other animals, for trampling. It makes them a much more passive animal, even if they can run fast. But they're passive. Look at wild animals. Look at the non-kosher animals. These tend to be wild with, with claws in there, right? These are the animals which are built. And if you absorb that into yourself, you become something which is too wild and you will not be able to be tamed. You, right? Just like a behemoth is tamed, a human being can tame it. A chaya is an animal which even the kosher chayas are ones. It's very, Hirsch does an amazing thing. It's, it's fascinating. Talach is that chaya b'chal behemoth and behemoth b'chal chaya. Right? Whenever the terrorist says chaya behemoth, it always includes the other one. And how do we know that? So we know it from in Parsha Shmini. When it talks about kosher food, so it says, um, it says, excuse me, Zois hachaya asher toichlu, mikol habehemah asher la'oretz. It says, these are the chayas, and then it says, from all the behemahs. So you see that behemahs included in chaya. What about the other way around? This week's parsha. parsha. It says, v'chol behemah mafreses parsha shashesa teichelu, and it says, um, which ones, I'm sorry, loisecha kol te'eva, zois habehemah asher teichelu, these are behemahs, shar sek sam v'seizim, those are chayas. So it says these are the behemahs and it lists chayas. Specifically when it comes to kosher food, the Torah tells us this, this, this halacha. And at first says, you know why? Because when it comes to kosher food, you can only eat a behemah if it's chaya. You can only eat right? an animal which is a nevela and trefa, you can't eat. It has to have the qualities of chaya, which we'll get to in a minute. But the other way around also, 
If you want to eat a chaya, it has to be a behemoth. It has to be one which is subservient to human beings. It has to be kind of like a behemoth. Behemoth is the ideal, but even chayas, even the animals like Ayal Svi Achmar, these are antelopes, these are deer, so they're out in the wild, but they're much more human-friendly. They're much more plant life, and that way that's something which could, which, which, uh, which could be absorbed. Again, amazing. When it comes to birds, Again, the birds is tricky because we don't know simonim, but Chazal gave us simonim. A dairis is an animal which is tamay. A, a dairis is tamay. This is a predatory kind of bird. Look at the birds that are kosher. These are the chickens and the turkeys. These are much more passive and much more subservient to human beings. Even the simonim that Chazal give with the stomach, with the things, these are all related to digestion, which makes these birds much more passive. When it comes to fish, Rav says, I don't know. I don't know the connection between fins and scales and kosher. But you look at a lot of fish, again, the big predatory mammal fish and sharks and stuff. You know, these, these are not the kosher. These are not kosher fish. There seems to be some sort of connection between fins and scales. I don't know. Scales maybe protect the animal. And so, you know, they, they don't have predatory features. So they have to have skins to protect them. I don't know. I can't, uh, I can't tell you if Hirsch says, I don't know. And... Listen, we know the Rabbani Shalom told us that these are the animals which are tame, these are which are tar, and we accept that wholeheartedly. But there's also another category within fish, and there's, and, and there's another issue, right? Think about within animals, right? You can't eat blood. Blood is the life force of an animal. So even an animal, which we say is more like a vegetable, an animal which is more tar, but the blood of the animal, that's the life force, that's the chiyos, that's the vilt kind of the animal lies in its blood that you can never eat. When it comes to a chaya and a oif, which are much more wild than a behemoth, you have to cover that blood over. A behemoth, which is much more passive than the chaya and the oif, you can't eat the blood because blood represents that, that living wildness, but you don't have to cover the blood because the behemoth is you know, much more passive than the chaya and the oif. Whereas chaya and the oif, not only can you not eat the blood, you have to also cover the blood. So that's very interesting. So this, this keeps us away from, from the, the, the vilt kind, absorbing that into ourselves. Refers says again, locusts. We don't know why locusts are kosher. You, they would seem to be part of like the creepy crawly things which you shouldn't be allowed to eat. Somehow the Rabbi Shem knew that the specific locusts, these meet these criteria. So when we want animals, we want to absorb things which are more passive. We have to make sure plants, obviously, plants are the best. Animals which shoot their cut and clean their hose. Birds which are not predatories. Fishes for whatever reason. And locusts, they're going to meet those criteria. Things, animals which don't chew their cut, those are very active. Blood, those are active. A lot of these worms, these things are always moving, right? They're constantly moving on the road, right? Little teeny flies and stuff. Very, very active. On the other hand, on the other hand, right? And even, by the way, if you're going to actually, if you're going to eat the animal, it has to be brought under your domain. You have an animal which is alive, it requires a, a yid, l'shma, a pi'alacha to do shechita and to take it and tame the animal. Aver menachai, that's too wild. You take it from the human animal, you take it from the animal while still alive without having subdued that animal, that's again going to be too much. But on the other hand, we have something which is, which is dulling, right? something which is alive, but it's like dead within the alive animal is also no good. That's too passive. So for example, chelev, right? These are the reserve fasts of the animal. These are things which are, they're not part of the chiyas. They're a separate compartment of just stored up reserves fast. We don't want to eat that either. We don't want to eat that either, right? These things which are, are way too dulling, those are also something we should not eat. A novella and trefa, animals which are dead even when they're alive. An animal which is just a carcass on the road, it was killed and it wasn't actually brought into the domain. That has the opposite effect of, 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 of being completely dulling, right? So we don't want to be, we want to be passive, but we can't be too passive. We want to be passive. We want that the, because again, the physical body is the means through which all right, the, 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 the yid acts on this world. Our neshama, that's who we are. Our nefesh, our neshama, our ruach, whatever the chazal speak about, that's who we are. But we need a vehicle with, with which we can interact. And as yidim, we have a very specific role, which is to control yourself. You can't just do whatever you want. You can't eat whatever you want. You can't be whatever you want. 
We have to act in very specific ways. The Torah has a lot of demands, well above the demands of a non-Jew. A non-Jew can eat what he wants, right? A non-Jew can eat what he wants. A Yid, who has a job, we're dedicated to Rabbi Nishol, and there's so many do's and don'ts. If we're going to be, on the one hand, too active, if our physical body is not going to be way too passionate, drawn to taiva too much, drawn to temptation, not having that self-control, that discipline, then we can't eat it. We need to be a passive. We need to be a behema which is passive, subservient to man. On the other hand, a human being which just, right, you, you think about a guy who's just eating and drinking. He just completely, you know, can't move. He's fat and dull and he's completely passive. That human being can't eat either. The idea, the, the, the elements that we want to absorb into ourselves are the foods which are passive, but they're not passive to the point where they're actually dulling. They need to be uh, from a living animal brought under control through shechita. The valent trafe is also no good. Chelev is no good. But on the other hand, when we do allow animals to be eaten, we want to make sure that the right type of animals brought under our control. You can't, uh, even if it's a kosher animal, you can't touch the blood of that animal. If it's a chayev, uh, you want to even cover up that blood. And in doing so, we, we will allow our physical bodies to be the vehicles for, for acting on this world. Again, it's an amazing... Plant, what? Plant is not the only thing. Plant is the ideal. Yeah, it's animals no and movement. parts of animals which are like plants, which no, are mother. No no plants are living, so they move all over the place and they're growing, they're, they're living. Yeah, so... Yeah, okay. It needs to be living and it can't just be something which is passive. Chelev, it's not, it's, not, it's not the living part of the animal. It's just the, you know, it's like the storage house. It's the garage, you know what I mean? And, and yeah, in, in terms of the media. Yeah, you're getting into a different issue, which is where Hirsch looks at a plant as being all about food and you know about reproduction and and, uh, and and eating, which is in a negative sense. Over here, we're talking about plants in the positive sense. No, that, that's, that, no, that's the, the, the physical representation of a human being. When we talk about the animal, and first it's the plant. Right? We spoke about that, I think, a few times. What people call your behemoth, the animal in you, it's not the animal in you, it's the plant in you. Right? It's, it's the plant which is busy with procreation and eating, not the animal. The animal, the animal has, a, has a spirit. The animal has a nephesh, right? It has a nephesh, but the, in the animal, the nephesh is subservient to the plant. That's, that's, a different, that's a different idea, a different point of the plant. I think I said, the animal part means that's the physical part that's servicing, that's supposed to service God. But it's, that's the part that's going to shul. The plant doesn't move. It's not an act. It does. It, it's living. A plant is living enough. It's the right amount of living. Yeah, it's the right amount. A plant is ideal. You see that there's, it's halaydavar, right? There's zero restrictions when it comes to plants. It's an interesting, uh, like, this is completely like, slightly related, but Rabbi Kiva Tat said something interesting. He said that, I heard this once years ago, huh? he said that, he said that there's no, that in medicines, most medicines, maybe even all, come from plants. You would think that humans and animals are so alike, right? All diseases come from animals. Why do medications come from plants, not animals? And he brought that from Apikabala, that human beings and plants are both, we, we stand upright, whereas animals, right, are, are horizontal. Right? There's a connection between humans and plants in a way that you don't have, right? How would the animals Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. There's, there's, there's money to make over here. Right? So there's some money to make over here. Yeah. <laughs> right. They probably don't. They probably don't get cancer because they're not living in our, you know, our lifestyles. They probably, uh, you know, probably get it a lot less. 
So there's this connection between the, the physical properties of plants and human beings. This is what the Torah is the ideal food. And again, the point of it all is the foods we eat make an impact on our, on, on our, on our ability to serve the Rishon and do our role in this world. All right, Shikach.